Hi, this is Miguel Escobar, Director of Anglican Studies at EDSA Union. Dean Kelly Brown Douglas and I are at the U.S.-Mexico border in El Paso, Texas, as part of a group of lay and clergy headed up by Trinity Wall Street. In this episode, Dean Douglas speaks with the Reverend J.J. Bernal, Rector of St. Christopher's Episcopal Church in El Paso, which is located just one mile from the U.S.-Mexico border. At the end of this episode, we thought it was important for him to share in both English and Spanish how the wider church could help him and his congregation do the critical work that they are doing. And so the last two minutes are in Spanish. If you enjoy today's episode, please subscribe where you listen to podcasts and help us spread the word by sharing this show with your friends. And so with that, here is Dean Douglas. I am here today with Father J.J. Burnell at St. Christopher's uh, Episcopal Church in El Paso, Texas. And he has hosted us, a group of uh, Episcopal clergy and others who have come down to El Paso, Texas to listen and to learn and to discover ways and find ways in which we can partner with those who are already doing the work and have been doing the work for a long time down here at the borders of El Paso. Father Brunel, thank you for joining us in this conversation this evening, and thank you for the work you do. I want to begin by asking you if you will describe, if you will, uh, St. Christopher's Episcopal Church here in El Paso, What's the demographic of your congregation, and how are you located? How is this church located in relationship to the border? Thank you very much, and I really appreciate your visit and your blessing with us here. Well, uh, St. Christopher was established in 1948 uh, in this area. This area basically was a rural agricultural land, and mm-hmm. through the years became more urban and urban and urban. Uh, it was more white uh, during those years. Now it's a multi, uh, the diverse population. Uh, the Church of St. Christopher is the closest to the border. So mm-hmm. if we walk there, we might do probably about 12 minutes you know, mm-hmm. to the border. There is not an entrance directly from, from this main street. Um, one of the things that is happening in, in, at St. Christopher's since I came here uh, about four years ago, our ministry has been including more uh, diverse community, Latinos, and I have to say Mexicans because we have no other uh, Latino representatives from other countries, basically. Mm-hmm. Mexicans, uh, one of the things that is funny, I have a lot of white people who are very fluent in Spanish, and I found uh, Mexican second, third generation who cannot speak Spanish. Uh, okay. You know, and currently I, I do not have services in Spanish, it's basically in English. You know, so uh, we have Latinos who feel comfortable being here, and they said when I proposed to them, hey, let's start a service in Spanish, they said, no, why not? Because we are like this. We are in haste to each other. So now we will feel like you are punishing us, separating us. And then I get it. Why to do that? Especially we have about 35 children, uh, Latinos and non-Latinos, and they are the future generation. And they don't want to get separated. So if we are talking about uh, family, united families, I don't want to... <laughs> move them away. You are belong to 10, you belong to 12. 
you know so we are in that sense very good good one good family uh, and in the border uh since i said that uh, we are the closest to the border we have a lot of individuals families groups who are coming to the the grounds of saint christopher's right they hide in the trees in the uh, storages we have since they are passing and they are coming still wet there mm -hmm. uh, so when I saw them talk to them they are afraid they mm -hmm. they feel that that somebody discovered them and I said come I'm the, I'm the priest and the padre so come share food meal uh, clothes come here and uh, this is really good we are doing ministry but at the same time it's bad at some point. We have uh, some coyotes uh, who are coming to get them, who see us as a threat to them, that we might, we might uh, uh, notice plate numbers, car of what model of car you have. It's, it's kind of, at some point, danger. But nobody told us that the gospel is easy. <laughs> yeah. And we are here to continue with our working. Also, we are working as a parish a sister with Anglican Diocese in, 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 in Juarez. You know, there are three parishes um, through the, our ministries of the Good Samaritan Ministers. We personalize the needs of the people here in the puzzle and the people there in Juarez. So we personalize in the sense that you are ill. What kind of medicine you need over the counter medicine? We are not given a special prescription prescribed medicine, uh, food, school supplies, clothing, uh, uh, toiletry. So, what happens when you well, first let me ask on during an average week, you know, how, how often is it that you will uh find people uh hiding uh near your church or in the trees or around your building and when you do, of course, you supply them with their immediate needs, but how do you help them? Or what are the ways in which you help them to find shelter or be, get connected here? Well, uh, first thing, probably once a week they are here. Okay. I don't see them once a week because they came during the night uh, and they go early, 7, 8, morning. Nobody's here. Yeah. That, the coyotes, they know. They know how to work. Mm -hmm. Nobody's here. And the people, the neighbors around, they always saw people here. So they camouflage mm -hmm. what they are doing here. It's very normal, very natural. The other thing, uh, they don't establish here. Mm -hmm. Many of them, I will say that many of them are Central Americas. Uh, not related with this new caravan. They are coming from, from years. Uh, they are going to another places. Arizona, mm -hmm. uh, California. Uh, they mention Atlanta, they mention Michigan, they mention uh, more north, more center of the country. I don't think they, they stay here because really in my four years here, probably I met only one Guatemalan and one Salvadorian. Hmm. There's not another Latino population. Right. It's basically Mexican here. Now for, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No. For our listening audience, could you explain who these coyotes are? Well, a new term for them is uh, uh, human traffickers. Yep. You know, human traffickers. Uh, and I talked to a couple of them, mm -hmm. and they said, you know what, I think we are doing good. Because I don't, I don't find in these people, they find me. They want to go to, to United States, and I know how to help them. Mm -hmm. This is a work. 
I give you, I give you, uh, I give you a service to them. They pay me for my service. That's it. So main, some of them seems to me have a moral values, if we can say it that way. And uh, uh, some others, which I don't know, n none of them are more merchants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I know sometimes they mention uh, big guys mm -hmm. in in the in the trafficking world. You know, I say, well, this this business belongs to so and so. You know, mm -hmm. in the past, is you if you are aware for sure you are. Uh, El Chapo was in the in the jail here in Juarez in the twenty sixteen twenty seventeen. And that was a very bad move from the right. government to have him here. Right. He was kind of telling the other, the other band, the countries, we are here. Even in the jail, I can control you. So it, it, then the violence really started in Juarez. It's, it's hard, yeah. yeah. When I went to Juarez, uh, the couple of groups approached me and said, who you are? They they call halcones, uh, you know. They right. they are the informants. They have a high technology, you know. So who are you? Are you Colombian? Are you Cuban? Are you from from where? Who sent you? I I know I'm a priest. I heal to help people. What kind of help? How? Because also we are working. In, this is a very deep thing, but we are not working in at the deep level with the human trafficking as we know that I-10 is the, one of the main connections of human right. trafficking in the U.S. and it's here in front of us, it's in my nose what I'm doing, what people are doing, what the Episcopal Church is doing to <laughs> right. stop this and to proclaim the gospel that is a challenge, it's a very dangerous work I was, I was going to say, have you, feel have you ever felt threatened uh, in, with your, not only your church being so close to the border but in the work that you're doing? Yeah, well, yes, yes. I have to say, yes, it is. And uh, we are part of the Rio Grande Borderline Ministries. And I share with the board what are our, our experiences. I'm a Jewish citizen, but I was born in Mexico. And after 29 years here, I have no Mexican papers. So when I tried to be there, they saw me as a illegal Mexican in Mexico. <laughs> so now I have my Mexican ID uh, by my accent in Spanish. It's not the accent of many people in Juarez. Mm -hmm. So they said, you are Salvadorian, you are Colombian, you are Cuban, you are this, you are that. No, I'm a Mexican and I'm a priest and I'm not a threat to you. And even some person says, yes, you are a threat. So yes. tell me, how have you, uh, what changes have you seen uh, since this new uh, administration of the last two years, since the Trump administration? Well, basically a negative uh, impact is, is, I don't feel good being seen uh, soldiers in the street, in the border, more highway patrols, more border patrols. It's a, it's a sentiment of frustration. It's a lot of frustration. So what is next? Nobody wants a wall. I don't even if you were there. There is a wall already from a year. This is not a new, but they are reinforced to do more things. Uh, uh, people always find a way to get into the U.S. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know. So what's what's it been like being in El Paso now, with really the national attention and spotlight in so many ways comes to El Paso? We were at the uh, Annunciation mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Center in NS 
MNSVC was there, and they said that they're always having news stations and news networks there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what's it like now that after the zero tolerance policy and the move to build a wall and all of the national spotlight that now comes to El Paso, what's that been like? See, I, I have a couple of uh, social activists, uh, uh, no Episcopals, no Christians, but uh, social activists in, in El Paso, uh, community activists, and they said, El Paso and, and, and Juarez, it has been one body since years ago. If you are trying to cut the body in half, that will be hmm. a tragedy. And this is, this is going to happen. This, this, will be a, this will be a tragedy in both sides. All, both sides will lose. And um, me as a pastor, ministry, a priest here with a congregation, uh, we feel that like, uh, we are in the stage with life and that everybody is asking us, what are you doing? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And uh, we are doing the proclaiming the gospel, doing outreach. But I have to say, I have to confess that our, our um, uh, resources are not enough to help them. I mean, we are a small parish. Uh, we are dealing with our own situations. And when we are talking about how to help them, is we have to ask us twice. Also, I will say, it, uh, you will find, in, in especially in El Paso, and in other borders as well, but in El Paso, we have the fourth Belize, which is the second largest military uh, site. Hmm. We have probably, probably three, half, the 50% of my congregation is are military active mm-hmm. from those 50 uh, half are active in the military and the other half retire so they have some issues too how to act mm-hmm. i'm a christian i'm episcopalian mm-hmm. but i'm doing my job so some people say i recuse myself of opinion right. and this this is something new to me too when I was in California, in Dallas, we were more radicals. Everybody, oh yes, let's do this. But when you are here, when you have the menu in front of you, right. it, it, it is something else. How, to me, it's a challenge. How to work in this ministry, right. being the light of the world to them, and be a pacifier among my, my captains, my militars, my CV patrol, my police uh, agents here in the, in the church. And um, it's a challenge, mm-hmm. you know. We have two last questions for you. Uh, is there a story, without naming individuals or names, is there one story that sticks out to you uh, in this work you have done uh, helping people across the border? Well, yep, yeah, yeah, and a part of that story is, is uh, in both sides. When you are taking items from here to help them, the authorities in the U.S. asking you, what are you doing? Why? Mm-hmm. What do you have inside? Mm-hmm. And when you are in Mexican territory, they also treat you like a, you are transporting explosive materials. When you have this, and uh, the one, one thing, uh, uh, one patrol in Mexico uh, followed me and asked for a bribe, you know, and mm-hmm. I said, you know, you want to take those things, take it. But uh, I, I'm not allowed to do that. Uh, I have a commitment with the truth. I don't want to, to do that. You want to take it, take it. And he take part of this. But I said, Father, this is just for my family too. Hmm. So 
they yeah. they are they are people who need also chaplains mm -hmm. and in Mexico usually nobody has a chaplain we have that luxury to have chaplains in the military chaplains in the police department chaplains at several points in Mexico they don't know mm -hmm. so it is good and bad about that yeah. and the other stories when this group of people approach me and they they don't they don't say but they invite me to go out of their neighborhood Hmm. Yeah. So since then, I'm using my, my clerical color. Yeah, so the yeah. clerical color. Yeah, yeah but it's illegal in Mexico. Yeah, so I have to I have to play a game. It's illegal for the Mexicans. But when they ask me, well, I'm a U.S. citizen. Right, I've, I just heard that it's uh, for Americans, wearing a clerical, clerical collar can make a positive difference. Yes. But yeah. for Mexican, wearing a clerical collar is... Yeah. Illegal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Since before the the, uh, the revolution, it was a, it was a civil penalty. Yeah. So, but not it doesn't apply for the. the I mean, as I say, I have to play the game. Right. I'm a Mexican right. and I'm a Jewish citizen. And you're, you're a citizen. And I'm so camouflage myself. Yeah, you get caught. <laughs> yeah. So, how can people around the country help? Firstly, with their prayers. We need it. I believe in the power of prayer. I do believe, and I have to believe. It's my faith. And I expect that a lot of people pray for, not only the people in the past, but the people in all the, this, the border. Uh, also, uh, being active, uh, I, I'm, I'm not saying this because you are visiting us today, but you don't have to come to El Paso. You, you know that. But uh, uh, who is listening to this interview? Well, brothers, sisters, you don't have to come to El Paso to, to help people. In your zip code, you have people in need. Now, you, mean to be, you want to be more aggressive? Come to El Paso. You need to be partner, practical partner in this. Send us help, you know, uh, over-the-counter medicine, uh, school supplies, uh, clothes. Uh, probably food I items are kind of difficult because expiration days, but uh, all things are well used in this area. And we need, we need a lot of resources. Thank you. Well, we are surely going to get the word out, and we are going to uh, try to be one of those resources uh, for the work that you do here at St. Christopher's. We just thank you for that work, and thank you for taking the time this evening uh, to speak with us and to speak with this wider audience. At and in conclusion, for um, Spanish speakers, uh, um, it's Miguel Escobar, uh, director de Estudios Anglicanos aquí, um, con Padre Bernal. Um, y para los his uh, hispanohablantes, uh, yo quiero uh, repetir la pregunta que hizo um, doctora uh, Douglas, que es, ¿cómo podemos ayudar Uh, ¿Cómo puede, con los hermanos y hermanas en la, la comunión anglicana en Estados Unidos, ayudar a, a su iglesia, a su ministerio? Um, ¿Qué podemos hacer? Uh, primero quiero recordarles que la iglesia episcopal para mí en Estados Unidos siempre ha sido una voz profética. Mm. Eh, de otro modo, ¿cómo podemos ayudar? Eh, siempre yo creo mucho en el poder de la oración. Necesitamos orar y orar con certeza. Eso se los pido de corazón para los que estamos en un cierto riesgo en la frontera. También les pediría yo que 
no necesitan estar ni venir a la frontera con México para ayudar a alguien más. Ayuden en su vecindario. En cada código postal en el que ustedes están, sin duda alguna, hay familias inmigrantes que necesitan ayuda. ¿Quieren ser, quieren ser más agresivos o más radicales en esta ayuda? Vengan y visítenos al paso, si es que pueden hacerlo, su tiempo y sus condiciones se lo permiten. Y si no, también puedan participar en la difusión de, de esta palabra a otras comunidades y enviar recursos. ¿Cuáles recursos? Recursos como um, school supplies, artículos para la escuela, ropa, um, medicina que se compra sin recetas, eh, toiletries, cosas de limpieza para, para las familias. Eh, pañales, hay muchos niños mm. que necesitan pañales, mm. si ustedes pueden hacer toda esa cosa, consideren que están haciendo el evangelio vivo en su persona muchas gracias, sí un placer Miguel gracias